Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jacob with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. I'm joined today by Sheila Holm, internationally recognized conference speaker and author, living supernaturally for more than 20, 25 years, business coach. The Lord has sent forth business to business, church to church, nation to nation. All right. So, Sheila, uh, you're absolutely incredible, incredible work. Like I was telling you before the show, you have a, a series of five books. You have a lot of books, actually. Uh, anyone can go to Amazon and get all your books. You have a lot. I've been reading these books, and like I was telling you before the show, I don't have a lot of time to read, and usually I just skim. Uh, but and Tracy's in the background; she's going mm-hmm, 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 because she she knows that I don't usually read, and I just been like all day long. I was reading your books; it's like wow, the the research you've done is amazing. And you know, like you're talking about, God gives you the insights to go where He He sends you. That's good. I like that. Well, it's, it's, their research has been amazing, and, and I get blamed for people not getting any sleep because they're like six, seven pages in, and they're like, okay, I'll just finish this chapter, and then I'll go to bed. But then they see a bunch of gems, and they're like, I wonder if there's one in the next chapter. And so they look at the first page, and they go, oh, my gosh. Next thing you know, there's six or seven pages into the next chapter because <laughs> it's in the same pathway that he took me on a treasure hunt. Every one of these books that I do, it's all he has shown me all this stuff, and it's amazing. And there's another key point to this, a book series that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. That book series, um, that is something that uh, Juan has all of these books. And he only had them one night. The next night when we met for dinner, uh, he knew the top people globally I know. He, he was working on projects with them at the same time. It is absolutely amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's uh, and he's... He's quite uh, informed himself, obviously, and uh, for you know him to get into this, that's that's pretty cool. So I, like you're saying, I think the uh, you know God came through you, obviously, and it has really given us all uh, amazing gem and uh, or mi- gems. I, I challenge anyone to like like you were talking about, just read one page. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that- and when I met him, um, I don't know if you knew this, but I was targeted at Lynn Woods. And when I was targeted at Lynn Woods, I was six months, and uh, Scott McKay, Nino, they were all showing him videos of mine. And he goes, she's had radiation exposure. Um, get her referred to me. And he sent me to a specialist. And honest to goodness, I don't know if I'd be here because I kept plateauing until he got me to that specialist. So the next day, I sent him a text, and I said, sir, I'd like to thank you, maybe buy you a cup of coffee, and maybe give you a book. That, that was the idea. So I meet him at the Trump, and when I meet him, God said, now before you go in, give him a book. And so I said, sir, I'm supposed to give you a book. And so I gave him a book. And then God said, well, don't just give him that book, give him this book, and then give him the book series, and then give him... And so God just kept saying, give him this book, give him this book. So next thing you know, he's got one of every one of my books. And I looked at him, and I said, you just got to make me a promise. I said, he said, what's that? I said, sir, the president has them. He has some duplicates out of some. Uh, Melania asked her different ones, and and she has some duplicates through her assistant of some. But, but sir, I don't want you making our president jealous. He doesn't have all of them, and now you have all of them. And I think we looked at him that night, and the next day when we met for dinner, he said, "Wow." So Harold Bredesen, when did you know him? It's 
and I'm not kidding. Like it's the same years we were we were with them in different parts of California, and then he ended up traveling with them. He was on projects with them, and we know all the same people in the different nations. It's like, wait a minute, you know what I mean? How did he know all that within 24 hours? I he amazes me. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, I have all this military experience and experience in the CIA. And I, I'm like, I got some stuff. I got some stuff that Wine doesn't know anything about. And I, I mentioned it, he's like, and then he'll go like in detail about that. I'm like, you, there's no way you knew that unless you're like there and and on a different level with it than I even was was exposed to. It's like, wow. Well, that's a shock. And when people go, you know, can you really believe Wine? Can you really believe what he's saying? I said, look, every topic I bring up with him is the same thing that I experienced, Michael. I'll bring it up. I'll tell him the depth that I was taken to. And it's like, he's a genius in every category and he'll take that same thing. And he goes, oh, well, this is the other part of that, Sheila. And right beyond that is this. And it, and he's explaining it, and he's going like four levels above where I am. I'm like, wait a minute. I spent a lot of time on this. So it's been really, uh, really fun. Yeah. That It is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so that that's amazing. Now, I'm going to bring up this little slide presentation that you sent me. If you want to want to go down this road a little bit on this, this is... Uh, this is pretty amazing uh, how you survive this. And uh, I was reading over this. I'm like, uh, a lot of people that were exposed to this at Lim Woods event uh, passed over, unfortunately, and you were one of the few survivors. Well, remember back in 21 when everybody was sent to the hospital and they all told, were told they had COVID? Yeah. It, was, it wasn't true. They didn't have COVID. It's the cobra venom that strangles you and you don't have oxygen. Right. And so when the cobra venom um, is passing through your system, um, it's taking you out. And as you keep trying to help yourself, it gets worse because you're using adrenaline and it's getting worse. And you, Brian, you have been in, you know, SEAL team and, and CIA, so you know a lot more about how these things affect. But it's been a tough thing to get to the bottom of this because people who have cobra venom, a dose, they're, they're dead in a very short period of time. And I've had so many doses flowing through my system, and all we can tell is it's making fibrous trails as it goes through, but mm -hmm. it's kind of golden in color, and it has been extremely, extremely hot because it mixes. I have lethal copper and lethal mercury flowing with it, and either one of those should have taken me out, and they're combined in some areas. So there are a couple of pictures on this PowerPoint where it shows that. Now, this gal was in a wheelchair the week before, but that's how I looked when I left. And Scott McKay referred me to one, and he says, Sheila, you were sick that night. Look at your eyes. And I'm like, oh, my God. And um, But anyway, that's what happened. She was in a wheelchair the week before, and she said, next time I want to hug in a selfie. And she was out of her wheelchair as I was leaving. So that's the very moment I was leaving uh, Linwood's estate. We were at Cotton Hall Plantation. The wow. next slide shows you where I met Linwood the week before. And that was at Spartanburg. And there was a big event at Spartanburg, and he was one of the main speakers. And I expressed some things in the morning, and then Presley Stutz, I think you probably met him over time, he ended up questioning me because people gave him all sorts of questions. And so he, like, interview questioned me all afternoon. And it was really powerful to give them the information because they did not know about the secret societies. Now, you're in the books, and you're getting into the secret societies, but they didn't know that once you go through Masons and Shriners and all that, you go through all these knighthood orders. And it starts with Order of Paladins. And everybody just started making crazy noises. I said, what's going on? And they said, didn't you know our football teams, college, high school, they're all called the Paladins? I said, well, it's a Wiccan order of knighthood. And that's then you have to go through all the knighthood orders up to the Order of Malta. 
which is a sovereign international law order before you can go in Knights of Pythias. And they're all like, oh my God. And so that was a fascinating day. And it was the very next week, and that's the next slide, that we were at Cotton Hall Plantation. And 24 people went to the hospital and reported symptoms, but didn't lose all their oxygen. But the other five speakers all went to the hospital and they all died within a month. Oh. And then I listed, you remember Rob Skiba, Flat Earth, and Russ Dizdar, Seven Layers of Luciferianism, and Ronnie Williamson, and then Russ Dizdar's wife, and then Paul Obel. All these people, I mean, there were so many. I lost more than 20 friends between July and December at 21, but I, I had no energy. I was crawling in my house for five months, and I had no energy, no strength. I couldn't do anything, um, and I had a meal delivered once a day, and sometimes it'd be two hours before I had the energy to go down to the door and get it. It's just crazy. Oh my and God! So, uh, so do you, next, you? You were bioweapon attacked, and I've been uh, bioweapon yes. attacked at events as well. And uh, Scott McKay uh, lost his father, and all of his crew were bioweapon attacked. Uh, these events are, are can be deadly. Uh, we're trying to reveal great information for people, but you know it's it's a, it's a war out there against us. Well, and that's what people didn't understand. This is um, they're doing to us through other devices. Uh, what they're putting in some of the vaccines. And so we're dealing with this, and that's why now we're starting a Defend Against Bioweapon Targeting Boot Camp, because you need to know the products that are going to get you through this naturally, so you don't go in and let them put remdesivir. They're even putting fentanyl in people more than would kill a horse. The doses are so high, and that's why they don't let family visit visit them when they're in the hospital. They don't feed them. They don't, they're not giving them water, and they have four poisons they're giving them on a regular basis, day in and day out, with no moisture, no no hydration, and no food. Wow. And uh, so I've been speaking at Halt Hospital Homicide. I was there in San Antonio with them. I was at Houston at Medical Freedom with Dr. Artis. We're doing everything we can to tell people there are products that can get you through this. I mean, I'm the proof of it. All of these poisons, I mean, I it, like the specialist that Juan referred me to, she tells everybody, I can't believe every time that woman comes in, she's still alive. And all my friends that I thought were just helping me cut fruit and stuff because I couldn't do anything for myself, um, they all thought I was going to die too. Nobody thought I was going to make it. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing that you uh, you pulled through. Uh, so that's definitely uh, the Lord had had uh, plans for you. That's great. Well, and and to know that this, like, let's say that you and I were at an event today, and unless we get two and three doses. We don't have all of the final horrific symptoms for like 10, 12 days, and then people can't remember, well, where did I get this, or how did this happen? So that's why I explained the progressive symptoms of this. It, would, it took 12 days, and on the 12th morning, uh, on the 29th of July, boom, I, I couldn't get out of bed. I had no strength. I could barely text. I wasn't getting the, the letters right and the texting and uh, to get help. And because you're just, you're done. You have no oxygen. You can't get breath. It's absolutely amazing. But uh, then I gave some descriptions of what it was because people said, what are they using? And it's several different devices. We know they're using drones by remote to deliver some of it. We know they're using EMF weapons to deliver some of the protein spike. We know they're using DMSO that's a good medical product to help people quickly get through something. And they're using it with with the stuff against us and it's going into our bloodstream right away. So, I mean, I, there's just many things. The radiation hit I took to my brainstem 
is what caused me to lose my voice. And I still have some brain fog. But uh, six months later, in my first exam, I was 183 on my left side and 108 on my right. And that's why she said I shouldn't have been alive. But she told me I was 98. And I said, I don't want to look 98. I don't want to act 98. So can we do something? And then she just told me the end of last year that, uh, by the way, she said you were 183 and 108. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? And she said, do you look back at your chart. You had nine things that were still going to kill you. I, I couldn't give you that. And so, but I lost all my hair. The next slide shows you the one with... Um, with Laura Logan, uh, that was at Election Integrity in South Carolina. She filled in for one that night. And all, all there is is black spray paint to make it look like I had hair. And then a few hairs were still on, but they were so radiation affected. I just tried to keep them calm. So. Goodness. Wow. That is that is amazing. And uh, here's some of that blood work you were talking about. Yeah. Now, the, where you can kind of see through it on the left, that's the copper. And when it's real solid, that's the mercury. And so you can see where some areas it's combined. And then on the right, it's almost all solid mercury. And those two are lethal levels. And then combined should absolutely take you out. And none of it has taken me out yet. And it was also mixed with the cobra venom. And so in September, um, I uh, this is just last year in September, I asked her to pray with me that, you know, this gets better. And so um, I said, God, could you just please sort this out? Because when they come out together and uh, where I took the kill shot over the heart, that's where it's the most vulnerable. That gave me double breast cancer. Uh, The EMF weapon to my right put protein spike and radioactive seeds filled with the cobra venom that every time they blossom, I get another dose. Uh, That was in my lungs and liver on the right. And I uh, ended up with cancers all down the left side of my body from my face to my feet. And so when all of these were coming out through that vulnerable area, they were leaking out. And when they came out together, it was so hot. I just told her, I said, can we just do this? I said, God, whatever you can do to sort this out, because this is so painful. And when it's that hot, you can't calm it down. You can't restrain it. And so uh, I go back for my exam in November. I was going every two, every month and then every two months last year. And um, when I went back in November, she said, oh, my gosh. And I said, what? And when she was putting the equipment right over the left inside of the left breast where the was leaking, she said, look at this. I said, what's that? And she showed me. And it was the weirdest thing. It's, it's, it's skin under skin. And yet there's a pathway and there's like seven valves. And um, you can see the liquid come across the top and then it's sorted into these individual valves and the Mercury was a little bit beige, and the copper had a bit of a cinnamon look to it, and the golden one was the cobra venom, and they separated, and then she watched them leaking out, and I was just like, oh my goodness. So it's just been quite a journey, but we can survive this. It says right in scripture, they can poison us, but we can survive it. Absolutely. Because I live, (laughs) it almost sounds like a song, doesn't it? Because I live, uh, we found this patent. And uh, it was this, what, this really stunned me, but it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And it's being created in Grand Rapids, Michigan, mm-hmm. right in the United States. And our government is in it. And um, the patent, you can see where it's given six of our taxpayer grants went to NIH Fauci to do this. And the government holds a percent interest, which is against our constitution. And they did this because he won. Because... 
they they were ready for a genocide every 20 year in every century i've gone back as far mike as far as 1320 i haven't gone, been able to go back before that but every 20 year because 20 on their kingdom side is recycle unto death and so 1320 14 15 16 every 20 year 1920 we were in mass for three years or go to jail and people were dying of bacterial pneumonia and falling in the streets. And everyone that got vaccine, vaccinated died. And it was the H1N1 virus. It wasn't a flu. It wasn't from Spain. Everything has been a lie. But if we would have known that every 20 year of every century, they do these pandemics, we pr- probably could have been ready for the genocide because 2020 was their ultimate to take us out. So they came out with this bioweapon patent. And the reason we could find this is I'm living through all these layers. And I'm so grateful because a specialist that Juan found um, has like 16 different degrees on all of these different things. She was involved with Three Mile Island. She just, she has all this wisdom on the radiation to get me through that. Um, But here it is so funny that on January 10, our own U.S. patent office released this and approved this patent against us with our government holding an interest in the bioweapon used against us using our tax money. It's just beyond comprehension. And the very next day, Fauci was everywhere. Now, James Grunvig has mentioned that he's aware of where that happened on January 11, 2017. He said, oh my goodness, he was in Georgetown. And he was giving this. He said, I, I remembered hearing and I remembered being around all of this information back then, but he said, I didn't put it together mm. um, because nobody knew what that related to, that some infectious disease outbreak. But if you know it in advance, you would do something about it. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, so who do you think in our government uh, that's, you know, keeping that going? Because Trump, uh, Trump was an office during that time frame. And the government holds a patents, and they're probably, it says right here, they're old, holding an interest. So the interest means they're 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 getting money for that, right? Yes, and uh, they can't have percents of businesses, but they have a percent in this invention of a bioweapon they're using against us. That's what that is. What really shocked me, but um, we do know that there's a DOD involvement. Now, is it the whole DOD? No. It's just like there are people in the military that are operating against us. Is that the whole military? No, but there are those who are operating against us and uh, they're benefiting from this. Mm. And uh, that was the really hard pill to take. I mean, it's just like, you know, how do we get ahead of this with this being the case? But that's why the medicines they're using. That's why the vaccines they're using because it's all been a plan. This is this goes all the way back, way before we were a nation, and um, and it and if you think about the centralized banks, it was Jefferson and Adams that fought to say you can't have a percent interest in these centralized banks. You're the government, and it's against the Constitution. And of course, they took them out with a poison. But I also I just shared this um, at Trump Durrell in October. Uh, this particular slide and. Brian Artis didn't know. God had me look out virus. Because remember they kept saying, you got this virus, you got that virus, we got to give you this for the virus. Mm-hmm. And God said, look it up in Latin. And the Latin definition of virus is a venom, a poison. And that's what all of these have been, variations of venoms and poisons. Wow. Yeah, I was at an event that uh, Artis and uh, several of those other doctors uh, that he's working with uh, put on an event in Dallas 
uh, the ages have been. That was stunningly uh, informative, just amazing. Veneman is just basically in everything. Uh, and of course, they, they got Caduceus, has got the you know snake going up. It, it's like it's all in our face, like you talk about in your books. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, and that event is what led to, um, because they didn't have anybody who survived it who could talk about it. So we've got Dr. Artis is going to be sharing about the venoms and, and how we can deal with them and eradicate it from our system. And uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits is a genius scientist. Mm-hmm. So she you know, she is the one who found out, I believe, and gave it to RK Jr., is uh, what's happening on Lyme and HIV. Those were created in the lab, and they have the same roots. HIV and Lyme. And so those have been weapons against people too. That they didn't come from these other things, just like this didn't come from a bat. <laughs> and so um, so she's gonna be involved in this, Dr. Group, who's doing the formulation. I'm gonna be the survivor that's gonna share what we can do to get through this. And then um, Tom Renz is working and thinks he has it all set up that we can get a healthy passport instead of a vaccine passport. Uh, that proves right. that we're healthy. And so he's legally working that all out for us. Very good. Yeah, this is uh, lots of uh, toxic stuff in that. Radioactive stuff, stuff that destroys our cells. Uh-huh. Crazy. And then this is when I first talked about uh, the Guidestones going down. That was the same day they went down. Uh, on July 6th, and that was the same day that I was being put up on Times Square for the books. And uh, so they called back and said, she just sent us a picture that happened at four in the morning because I got the video from the guys right away. And then I took still shots. So ones on the bottom are still shots that I took off of the video they gave me. Because I Yeah, become... so now Lewis Herms and, uh, was doing a, an event and uh, I was going to speak at that event and I was at an earlier event. And someone shook my hand, and I got very, very sick. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's how they uh, basically transfer it to. They wear a glove, and basically this guy was like eyeing me, and I saw him eyeing me. I was like, I don't know about that guy. And then he came up, you know, stuck his hand out, and I'm I'm kind of like at these events, I say hi to people, and I shook his hand that night. Uh, I almost died. So mm-hmm. uh, it is it is uh, it's extreme. So I I kind of laid back a little bit, and uh, but I was sending. Uh, we were all like sending love to, uh, you know, the, the Georgia Guidestones and that's, and they were, we we're supposed to visit it and it blew up. So yeah, uh, it's kind of cool. So I think a lot of us that are, are, you know, putting our attention on these events and the, and this information and so forth are having an effect on it like you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. They were never planning on us finding out the truth. They were never planning on us countering their plan. I don't know if you heard, I'm working on a plan. Uh, there's a 45-point plan against us. They call it the Communist Manifesto, but you can put any title on it you want. Because there's only two kingdoms. There's those who want to bless and have the breath of life, and there's those who want to kill people, and and uh, and everything about them is death. Their whole calendar is filled with, you got to kill somebody on this day between 25 and 32. And yet it's almost like the clue game, and then you got to do this to them and this to them, and then when you confirm it, then you get the promotion. It's just a whole different way of thinking. And the thinking about eliminating us from the planet and not being concerned about what that's doing, it's just, it's so hard to comprehend. Exactly what we're going through is just so hard to comprehend. And so um, 
what's been happening, not only with the, the patent that they've done with the vaccines, that they've done with absolutely everything that's been happening, and to figure out that it was a whole genocide, and who do they target? They target the military. They target the medical doctors who don't want to kill you. Well, then you have to leave your job if you don't want it. You know what I mean? When the people who found out the truth, and it's all been about, we don't want you finding out the truth. We want you following our edicts and doing what we want you to do. So this 45-point plan was found by Todd Callender. I think you know Todd Callender. And um, he ended up giving me a copy of it. And I thought, well, that's it's really a tough thing to read through. And it kind of matches the Georgia Guidestones 10 points. And so I said, it's got the same pathway. And uh, so I kind of let it go. And by the time I was in Chicago at an event, I was speaking right before Juan in August, the week before Reawaken in Vegas. And um, it came out of my mouth that what I'm going to do, guys, I'm, I'm going to write some things as to how we've compromised with these 45 points, and I'll, I'll get it out as soon as I can. Well, between Chicago and Vegas, uh, I ended up pulling over on the side of the road because it's like if they know the counter plan to God's plan and the people who say they're God's people don't know the plan, it has to be like a training manual because... If we don't understand how they've done this to us, because they keep repeating the same plan. They don't have a new plan. That's why they say we've got the playbook. It never changes because it's human wisdom. And so if that's the case, then we have to tell them these other sides to it. So when I got done in Vegas, I I wrote out some things and I'd already written out 44 and 45. God wanted me to start from the back. And so 44 and 45, I said, they're not related. 44 is you've got to internationalize the Panama Canal. I'm like, what does that have to do with seizing the nation and all people into the world court? I think, God, these don't relate at all. Every law journal that he sent me to, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, all these different law journals uh, that he sent me to, um, Every one of them compared the two because if they didn't internationalize the Panama Canal, they can't just lump America into the world court because we've got this land down here that we bought in 1903 over in Panama. So I was writing out all of this stuff and I was testing the water before I went to Chicago and I sent it to some key people. Unbeknownst to me, it got to the president. And if you look at Tucker Carlson's, I can send you the transcript. If you look at the Tucker Carlson interview with the president, and it was in August this year, it was his first interview. And Tucker's talking to him and they're talking about real key international things. And then boom, the president says, you know, back in 1903, we bought the Panama Canal, you know, and we did it through a real estate transaction. And I think he says something like, we know about real estate and and now, you know, China's in control, but you guys don't have to worry because I know Xi and Xi's going to give it back to me. And we're going to have control of it again. And it never should have gone by a treaty with Carter. He's quoting everything of the research at points 44 and 45 and how it relates. And I'm just like, and then and then he goes off of it. And like three minutes later, he's back on it again. I'll send you the whole transcript because when I went back and looked at the transcript, I went, he kept coming back to Panama because they can't do it. Because if they, if they, if we don't get, Panama back, and we never should have given it up for a dollar and a treaty. That's not how you resolve a real estate transaction. And I emphasize that in the summary, and I'll send you all this research, but that's how deep this has been going now, Michael, is that it, it's gone from they're doing all of this to us, and instead of, okay, let's explain how they're doing this, okay, wait a minute. 
we shouldn't even be compromising or complying with what they're doing in any of this stuff they've done because it's affected every family. It's affected education. It's affected our big businesses. They did it layer by layer by layer. This was read in January 10, 1963, as a resolution for dissolution of America to our congressional record 60 years ago. My God. And I, w- I was I was at the Panama Canal for the Panama invasion. I was still team six and, you know, making wow. sure making sure that, that that stayed in our hands, I guess. And uh that's that's one of those events that I was like, Oh, Juan doesn't know anything about this. So I started talking about some deep stuff. And Juan's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Look, like I, I was like, Oh my God, I, you were mm-hmm. there? Oh, my God. So uh it is it is uh interesting uh that you're tying all this together and then Trump I remember that interview and I was like, where's he going with that? So now I understand. Uh, so, wow. Putting the pieces together like this is just absolutely stunning. Uh, well done. Mm. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to send all this to you because I, you. I knew you'd be interested in this stuff, but I didn't want to overload you today because there's so, so much about what's happening mm. to the people in this country. And we've got to start standing up together with each other. That's what's what's so neat about Tracy when she comes to these events. She just loves it on all the people, and it just huge, huge difference it makes. Yeah, huge difference. Yeah, she's got a she, her mind is like it goes in lots of different places. Mine doesn't go, but she she shares with me, and she shared your work with me, and I, I was like, wow. And then she got finally got you on the show, so you're you're a hard person to get. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, just amazing how all this comes together. You know, and uh, we're, we're able to reveal this information to people. Well, it's it's great. And I'll get you the summary of that because it's really powerful. Uh, like number 13, avoid all loyalty oaths. Because you know about the Brunson case. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm going to take you on the pathway of the Brunson case. It's got like 388 people, and we want to hold them to their constitutional oath, right? Mm-hmm. None of the 388 took an oath. None of them. We them the I didn't heard that recently they were taking their oaths. Is that probably misdirection? Yeah, but they're not taking it on the Bible, but they have to do an uh, affidavit uh, signing an affidavit to cure it, and they refuse to do the 10-day cure. So then there's another case, and Todd Callender filed this case April 18 of this year, mm-hmm. and he filed it. And we were having a conversation because I've been dealing with all of this stuff and God could send me to Georgia because of San Diego because I put some judges in prison on federal RICO charges in San Diego. And so so God has me in Georgia doing these things. And we were just having a conversation. I said, you know what, Todd? How is it that all of these people could get away with this without taking an oath? What if the judges aren't even taking an oath? He said, well, that's interesting. So guess what? They did a research. Did you know none of our federal judges have taken an oath? And that includes uh-huh. especially the one in D.C. that's over all the judges, over all the J6 cases. Mm, no kidding. How about that? So it's uh, almost like they're it's mute. Now, what, what, I, what I love about your work, too, is you, you go deep into, uh, you know, speaking of Georgia, I, I remember that one uh, thing you have in your book is book two where you talk about the, uh, unfortunately, the uh, um, Cherokee. Uh, yes. And that's, that's stunning. All your research in the, and your hist- historical stuff, you know, I've, I've, I've pieced a, th- a few of these together over time, and then I look at your work and I'm like, 
there it all is in one spot. It's like, ah, oh, oh my God. So the uh, the Justice Marshall, uh, 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 Chief Justice Marshall, was basically favored uh, the Cherokee, but the uh, the I like you say it was all Democrats because uh, we know that demon comes from Democrats. So uh, he, uh, <laughs> it basically President uh, Jackson said Democrat. Of course, uh, John Marshall has made his decision basically in favor of the uh, you know the Cherokee Indian tribe, which the American government put them on a reservation, told them that they would protect them on that reservation. And then the state of Georgia said they're going to kick them out. So it's like, it's all convoluted. It makes no sense. He said, John Marshall has made his decision. Now let him enforce it because they can, these justices can say whatever they want. Unless someone enforces it, it's mute. Unless the federal government, the military, which they did, they came in, uh, really with with no law backing and remove the indians uh the trail of tears uh back all the way out to oklahoma so so i guess georgia was able to steal the gold off their lands i don't know it's crazy well there's two key points you're bringing up such good points um i need to take notes to keep up hello this is michael jaco if you want to learn more on how to unleash your own intuition go to michaelkjaco.com unleashingintuition.com where you can find my courses on how to become the master of your own reality. Um, okay. So number one, these are going to be in book six, uh, because book six is in the beginning dot, dot, dot in America. Book seven, it's in the beginning dot, dot, dot in ancient times, because nothing has changed since the ark landed and Noah's sons, grandsons, great grandsons all set up this evil plan. I mean, it's just the Chargerians. And um, I think it's with with Kissinger's book. I sent a picture of Kissinger's book, World Order, that came out on nine, which is three threes, nine, three threes. So 33, 33, 2014, when they were going to take us all out on the Georgia Guidestones, it was set up for 2014 for depopulation. Wow. And so the tar- the word Tartaria, what's really interesting is it's hard to see because uh, it's so light, this ancient map, but it takes a lot to expand it. But right above the title of his book says the word Tartaria. And Tartaria is where all this started. And then the business plan got put together in Kazaria. And I can send you all those maps too, because from the ancient map to now, yeah. uh, Kazaria has taken air. Kazaria, in essence, is Ukraine, is part of Russia, it's Georgia, it's Crimea, it's all of those areas. Uh, they've taken over all of that, and it's called Ukraine, but that's why it has no borders. Oh, my God. I mean, God. you see what I mean? Oh, the connection. Like, boy, you're just blowing yeah. this all up. Oh, my God. You're amazing. It is God not, is amazing it's, through it's you. So, yeah, I know, right? I, I say the same thing all the time. It's like me. It's like, you know, God working through me. So uh, here, I love it. So so there is the Tartarians. And there was another thing when you were mentioning about the Guidestones, because um, there was a second point. Oh, Andrew Jackson is going to be featured uh, not so lightly uh, in book six. Uh, I'm working on both of those, but the 45 points has to come out first, and so that's kind of shifted things. Mm-hmm. So what happened is uh, Andrew Jackson, everybody admires him, and the president has always admired him. Why? Because he removed the debt and equalized the tariffs. 
And that's what the president did. When he came in, remember, he straightened out the tariffs and NATO and equal, and removed the debt. I mean, he handled everything. Mm. And, and there's ways to do that, and that's what he did. So the first thing he did was to equalize the tariffs, then remove the debt. But nobody talks about his third goal. Andrew Jackson's third goal was he had to get all the Native American Indians on the other side of the Mississippi. They're the ones that had the mountains on the East Coast. They're the ones that had the big farms. They're the ones that had the, that where the plantation owners were brought in and, and took over their land and pushed them out of their houses and, and off of their off of their farms. And so, uh, and the mansions were the same. Uh, one of the times I was hosted in central Georgia, I was hosted at the mansion of uh, governor uh, of Georgia for many years, Talmadge, I think his name is. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, it's at the mansion. And they showed me where the White House, the little White House, the bathroom, it was in the backyard, not the little White House like they have in Georgia where FDR was. But uh, they showed all these things. And I said, well, how can they call this a mansion? And they said, well, in those times, everybody had that. And so it's just crazy how they took them out of their homes, sent them all the way to Oklahoma. And then what did they do when the other Europeans came in? They did land rushes where? In Oklahoma. So even the agreements they made, get out of here and go to Oklahoma, they just kept selling the land. So, but it was all started by by Jackson. Now, here's the other thing God showed me by working with Lloyd Brunson and getting him a bunch of interviews when he, because uh, he got his case uh, in, in June. So Raylan's case has been there since January of this year. And now uh, Lloyd's case has been there since June. And as I've been studying all this with a couple of constitutional attorneys, because we were trying to find someone who could get us immediately to the Supreme Court about the missing um, oaths on all of these people, especially the judges. So what I found out is, do you know, okay, when you mentioned about Andrew Jackson said, well, you know, let Justice Marshall enforce it. I didn't have this information in, in when I did the book that you just gave the quote from. Mm-hmm. Now I have the information. Do you know why he said that? It's up to the president to enforce the laws in the Constitution. So it was Jackson's responsibility to support that Supreme Court decision. But his third goal was to get them out of the East Coast and get them to the other side of the Mississippi. It was his handwritten goal, number three. Wow. We don't know these things, you know? I mean, even even, uh, Washington warned about the uh, Democrat um, party. What what was it called back then? Democrat? um, Democratic National Socialist Party. Even all the way back there, there is... Party separated. Washington, Washington, uh, General Washington's time frame, first president. Yeah, and they tried to say that Jefferson started uh, the Democratic Republican Party. It was never a Democratic Republican Party. The Republican Party didn't start till 1854, 10 years before they brought all the secret societies in. So wow. even though they started that party, they've been a unit party from way, way back. Yeah. And you mentioned about the monuments. That's why I kept saying, you guys were fighting the same stuff we fought as of the Civil War. And they go, well, were you living then? And I said, no. And they said, well, show me any proof of that. I said, God told me we're fighting the same stuff, so we need to learn our lesson. That's all I knew. All I can do is say what he tells me and, and where he found it. And then, boom, he shows me that soldier monument. Now, the Guidestones just came down in July. I was driving to Batavia to speak at Reawaken in August. And so after the Guidestones came down, um, 
the oldest son of Banners for Freedom, Elijah, he loves war. So I got him this tour and we were going to, I got a bed and breakfast and I thought they'd have a really fun time. Well, they were in too late for the tour. So I said, God, I don't know what to do. And he said, just go go to the gift shop and get a map. I'm like, I don't know how to give it to her. And when we when Robert's a lot taller than I am and he opens up the map and there is this monument. I said, it's identical to the face monument. He said, well, let's get over there. It's a soldier monument. Mm-hmm. There's no Bibles. There's no Ten Commandments. Then what you've got right in the center there is the faith monument. And everything over on the soldier monument, their hands are down and open, all wanton. Um, there is no messages on it. There's nothing about educating the children the way they should go. It goes from history to war instead of from morality to liberty. Wow. See, he's got to keep his own musket. He's got he's got his foot on broken clay pots. It all became about assets. There was there was no future or hope or liberty or freedom. And by his left foot, he's got a stack of cannonballs. So he has to protect his own property and his own family. And so he came here and gave up everything to be here at this status. It just it breaks your it breaks your heart to see it. And they dedicated it to Lincoln because they knew what he was putting together. Wow. So that's that's a big. Uh, I mean, you broke down the um, the this other statue over here. What what the, uh, what's the name of this the faith one? Monument. The faith monument. So this is this is beautiful. The way you broke this down, uh, all the granite that's in it. Because the I guess they were saying in the uh, you know the Georgia Guidestones, the biggest uh, you know granite monument. No, this is much bigger. Uh, this so it's eighty one feet tall and. Um, in the satanic side, their power number is number 19. And so it was 19 feet tall. Well, 19 versus 81. When I took the picture of the monument, when I first pulled in last year, I, I went back this year and did the second tour with them. But um, I had to back away from where I parked across the street uh, to take a straight on picture. And God said, take it right now. Don't angle up. Take a straight on picture. And it's that tall. And there were like six, three, six, four people standing by it. They they just looked like little munchkins standing by. They they weren't even up to where these people even have their feet. Huh. And, and break down all of these different. I I love the way you broke down all these different statues uh, that okay. are morality, law, right. education, liberty. Uh huh. And then morality is uh, the first one to the right as you come up, and you come around from morality over to liberty. And morality has the eyes closed. It's holding the Ten Commandments. You can see the stones in the left hand holding the Bible in the right. And with the eyes closed, operating from truth. Hmm. And so morality, your conscience, is important in all of this. And then law has to be equal. So you see where he's holding the Ten Commandments. And he's like, stop, pause. Because if if you did something to me or I did something to you today, what we do tonight is we gather our peers, we have them come together tonight or tomorrow, and it gets hashed out. Because you don't have law if justice is not equal to mercy. And right now, lawlessness is because we have no mercy. There's no mercy with J6. There's no mercy with identity theft victims. There's no mercy with, with any of this. And it has to be equal. And you bring your peers together. That's the way it's supposed to be. And you get the matter resolved and go on with your lives. You don't wait 18 months, do depositions, blah, blah, blah. 
And then education is the next one. And in education, that is where the parents, the mom especially, at home with the children, uh, teaching from the Bible. And on the side panels is the grandparents. And there's a globe and a Bible where they're teaching them the truth because the only pre-existing law that is true law in the land is the Bible and the Ten Commandments. So what they've done is eliminate that. We don't get sworn in on the Bible anymore. We don't, uh, in the court cases, it's not in the year of our Lord and the date. There is no commitment to that, which is in our constitutions. Our state constitutions are heavy in this. That's called pre-existing law. So we've gone completely over to what's called positive law, which is human law. So it's case decisions. So whatever the judge over in 10 towns over from you says, and another judge 15 towns over to the right of you says, whatever those judges say, which is human decisions, just like Chief Justice Marshall made his decision, but Jackson had a different decision. So we didn't have law for the Cherokee because it was human opinion and decision, you go and help them. When it was Jackson's responsibility as a president for the Constitution to uphold the law, and the law was what they were doing uh, in protecting the land of the people who actually owned it, because the Cherokee owned all that land. So that's where we are in the education system. If we don't understand that, because you have to come from morality around through these four points. And this is what the pilgrims put together, because if these four points were followed, you'd be training up a child in the way they should go and they would not depart from it. And they wouldn't fall for human law. They wouldn't fall for human medicines. They wouldn't fall for these things because they're aligned with the truth. So then you come around to liberty and I love liberty. And on the side panel, I'll try and get you a copy of it. He's actually got his foot on the guy with the crown on his head, which is really neat. Uh, How they did all these designs is just amazing. Mm. But as you see his right foot in what we're looking at right now, the word on the side of that is tyranny. That they've stomped out tyranny. He's sitting on the head of the lion. And I think, isn't that, is it the Rothschild lion, right? Or is it the Rockefeller lion? Because that's the one in England where it's uh, red and gold. And then it's on the original Israel flags that they were using, where there's a lion on both sides of a menorah. And it's that lion with his uh, paw up. And you see the paw on the soldier's right shoulder. And the reason being, he's already conquered him. He's already skinned him. And there is the paw right up over the shoulder. Wearing him. Sitting on him. Yep. And he's got that's the amazing. Eye. What do you call that, an eyeglass? So the pirates would use it. They would look out and see what's happening on the horizon. The what? Uh, Spyglass or? Yeah. Yeah. And so he's got that to keep looking out of the horizon and see how he's diligent looking out to make sure. Oh, that's what he's got there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So he's watching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Diligently watching. I like that. He doesn't have uh, arms or anything like that. He's just watching, making sure everything's uh, staying the same. It's good. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, that and that's a that's a that's an absolutely incredible breakdown of all of that. So, uh, thanks for that. And so uh, there, when you were at that, uh, when you were at the, one of the events, the second time I guess you were there, you had that little boy that was coming around, and uh, that that's a great story too. Uh, let me see if I can uh, pull that back up and uh, get that. I think that's on the last slide of the. Um 
And that happened this year. It was a really sweet relationship. Uh, while you're pulling that up, I'll tell you about what happened afterwards. He came up because Juan and I don't get to talk personally very much. So when everybody was all talking over the side, uh, we were just talking with each other. And this this little boy came up and he, and he kind of stood in between us. And he kept trying to look up at Juan, but he's so short that he, that he just kept looking and he almost fell over backwards. And then uh, he came up real close and you know how tall Juan is. And here's this little boy. So it, we didn't realize what he was trying to do. He was trying to hug Juan. <laughs> so he's trying to put both of his little arms around Juan's legs and give him a big hug because he uh, Juan did the closing prayer and he just thought Juan was just amazing. And he looks up at him and he just goes, wow. And um, so Juan uh, said, I heard you had a birthday. And he said, yeah, it was four days ago. And uh, so he said, on the 10th, on the 10th. And I said, yeah. And he said, can you read? And he said, yes, sir, a little bit. So Juan took out one of his ID things and he held his fingers so the guy, could, the boy could just see exactly what the birth date was. And the kid ran off and did a bunch of flips. He got on the side brain dancing, got on his back brain dancing, did a bunch more flips and came back over to Juan. And he goes, wow. And I said, are you meaning that you guys are birthday twins? And he looked at me and he goes, twins? And he backed up and tried to look up at Juan again, but it's like looking at a tall statue to him. And he almost fell over again. And he goes, wow, you know, because here we are as twins. But what happened is the day I arrived, um, and it was a special moment in time. Uh, he just kept following me and he just kept staring at me and smiling. And when I would try and talk to him, I said, uh, I'm going to be talking. I said, do you want to pray with me before I go and talk? And he goes, no. And shake his head, no. And it ran off. And he did the same thing to his grandmother. So the day that we did all of this, Juan had already done the closing prayer. And we were picking everything up. And God said, give the microphone to Grayson. So I asked the grandmother, I said, God wants him to talk about the testimony. And she said, okay. So the reason he kept shaking his head no and running away from me, we let him tell the people what happened. His grandmother uh, leaned over that night as she was putting him to bed and she said, now, Jake Grayson, you love to pray with people. I don't know what your problem was, but that wasn't nice what you did with that lady today. You should have prayed with her. And he goes, oh, grandma. She was the one that didn't need it. <laughs> and it's real simple. And uh, she said, what do you mean she didn't need it? And he goes, didn't you see? There were a bunch of angels, just bright white and bright white light. Didn't you see it? She said, no, I didn't see anything. And so when she told me the testimony, that's the one God wanted him to give. So you can see at four years old, at four years, four days old, he's holding the microphone and he's telling the testimony. But he looked up at us for discernment first. And he said, um, am I supposed to tell us? And he was pointing like to Juan and, and the guys right around the microphone stand. And uh, or, or am I supposed to tell them? <laughs> so he wanted to know, is this a story I'm supposed to tell for the public or is this just for us? And I said, well, God said you're supposed to share the testimony. And he said, okay. So he just, as you can see, he just totally took hold of the mic. He gave the testimony, and I just said, all the bright white light is the glory. That's what we're supposed to be operating in and with each other. And um, so then he kept the microphone, and that's when he gave the little sermon that's at the bottom. And then he goes, Jesus, handled Satan. We just have to kick Satan's butt. So please just start kicking, kicking Satan's butt. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. And he had politely handed me back the microphone and ran off to play. That was it. Just do it, guys. Oh, that is that is amazing. What a great story. Oh, so sweet. And 
I you know, I because I've seen Archangel Michael, but that was that was a very special event. Uh, sometimes I can see the angelic realm, and I see the demonic realm as well. But um, it is only if I really focus on it. I'm just not like walking around and seeing it. So it's it's, it's fun to see that uh, the little ones sometimes you know have the have these abilities like that. I wonder how long he's going to keep that, or if it's going to start to fade away. It fades away for most of us, but uh, hopefully he keeps it to a certain extent. Well, I've had this four-year-old thing goes on and on and on. It's in my Faith Walk book. Uh, four-year-olds have come up to me all around the world and given me a preacher of me. On, I grew up on a farm in Nebraska, and I, I was marching in the meadow at four. The reason why I can remember it, because I went through three and a half years where God sent people to tell me about Jonah and the whale. I said, God, I get the point, but I'm trying to find a guy to send. You want somebody to go to a men's ministry? It should be a guy. It shouldn't be me. And uh, so what happened is um, I'm marching in the meadow, and boom, I'm on my back. And he's going, don't you want to do what I want you to do? And I said, of I want to do what you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so <laughs> I ended up taking the assignment. And after three and a half years, I said, I can't believe all these famous men. Some of them had books sold 60, 70,000 a month, you know, and that's way beyond me. And so I said, God, I, I just felt they should be representing you. I can't believe they told you no. And he said, Sheila, for three and a half years, you've told me no. And that was a major wake up call. But the four-year-olds have been doing this with me and drawing the picture and handing it to me. It's been in every nation he's put me in, every continent I've been on, every nation I go to, I get a picture from a four-year-old with that in it. And there's so many examples of four-year-olds across America, but the cutest one is the gal, and that's the biopic that I used because I just saw her at the 20-year reunion of when she was four, and she gave me her old tambourine. She wanted a new tambourine for her fourth birthday to praise and worship with. And her parents said, well, why? And she goes, well, this one's getting so old. And so then they said, well, what do you want us to do with it? Well, I have to leave it here in the church. Well, why? Well, God's sending somebody. They just aren't here yet. I mean, they just, they know these things, you know what I mean? And so um, when I meet with them, I tell the parents, ask them every day what God's saying. Don't let them depart from him. Because that's what happens. Remember, we're supposed to talk about like the other people do. We're supposed to think like other people think. We're supposed to become successful. Like a, they were drawn away from that relationship. Mm -hmm. So she, when I saw her 20 years later, she went in her room and brought out all of these books, logs that she had all of this in. And she never had a question to ask me until that very week. And wow. she went through school, through college, and now is a corporate position and is just as tight and talking with the father as she was at four. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Beautiful. Hmm. Many examples of that. It's, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. And I, I, I think Juan does that same thing, too. I think that's why he knew the things about this little boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Definitely. And the kid could relate. I wish I had a picture. The picture I'm missing is him trying to put his arms. You could see how short he was. He His hand wasn't even up to Juan's knees and just trying to give him the biggest hug. You know, just uh, so precious. That's why they took away $64 million through abortion. They don't want him coming with the messages. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's very sad. So what? what's... Uh... What is your your plans for the future, and what's what uh what do you see for America, or for the world, for that matter? We're coming through globally. Mm, good. The biggest mark of watching this 
was that global trip in 2017 where he went to every nation and met with the leaders and had the file and starting in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. never a sword dance for someone like a Trump from America. That never would have happened. Never. If it hadn't been such a glorious meeting. And then what was it? 200 princes were dealt with within a week. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, family. Mm-hmm. And he went through all these other countries and ended up where? In England. And what did the queen do? People don't notice that little bit of the video before. They know about the one where he's inspecting the guard, the queen's guard. She took off her little white gloves. You know, they always had to wear gloves. Took the little white gloves and laid them over the wrist of her left hand. What does that say? Seems to me like a bit of a surrender. Oh, wow. Interesting. And then she inspected... She went with him, but he inspected the guard. He didn't leave her way behind. He didn't march way ahead of her. But it was very distinctive that he was inspecting the guard. And then there's another video. He did the same thing with Charles, because Charles isn't going to be the one inspecting the guard either. Mm. Because Buckingham Palace has been boarded up and painted up since they removed them. Now, remember when they had COVID? Right. They removed Prince Philip and the Queen. They didn't remove any of us. <laughs> Everybody here was locked down, isolated, everything. They removed them. And the same time they had it, King and Queen of Sweden, and that's why all the messages, what's happening with Eric's son? Eric's in the company. So King and Queen of Sweden, president, wife of Harvard, all at the same time, all removed. Mm. So we're, we've been given all of these powerful things, and... Crossing over into North Korea, going to, it was a forbidden city, isn't that what it's called in China? Never has happened before. I have felt since then, we just got to get this done. And that's why four books came out within one year from 2019 to 2020. And, um, and that's why there's so many books, is that you got to get the truth out to the people. And and I have teenagers giving up their income, uh, what do you call it, when, when they... They earn something from their parents and they set it all aside. Allowance, yeah. The yeah, the allowances and stuff. And I've had seniors give up their senior trips and, and all their gifts just to come to the conferences to hear the truth. Oh. And I never, and they're being used, the books are being used for homeschooling. I, I never tried to talk about homeschooling. And now Kevin Sorbo's wife, Sam, is the national coordinator of the curriculum. Now she's looking at him for homeschooling. And I was just, I'm just shocked because I'm just trying to get the word out because we'd have hope because hope in the future is what is what we're given. I mean, that's the promise is hope in the future. Okay. So as bad as it gets, and every time I couldn't get my breath during this whole past two years, just thank you for the next breath, Father. Because it used to be when I put the judges away, it was not Jesus either bring me home or uh, bring me through. Just bring me what... One or the other, bring me home, bring me through. The next warning, so many times it was like, did we talk about this? Is this our joint decision <laughs> that I'm going to keep going through this? Because it was pretty, pretty ugly. But we can accomplish these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what you talk about all the time with people. And look at what you've been through. Would you have ever imagined what you have come through? No. And what you've done, and yet he's never left you. That's why you can see the things that re-encourage you, that you know it's real. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it is amazing times. 
Uh, so I, I look forward to the future. Uh, it's it's very interesting right now. Uh, we never know which way it's going to go. God works in mysterious ways. So uh, I just let it let it come as it comes. Uh, so you know, it is it's going to be amazing. So I'm looking forward to uh, your work again. I look, love to have you back on in the future. Uh, so how can people reach you if they'd like to, Sheila? Hisbest.org. His it's best, under SheilaHolm.org, too, but it's easier to spell his best. <laughs> hisbest.org, and uh, they can get the books through there, too, and okay. uh, or Amazon or Barnes & Noble or bookstores. It's, it's a lot of places. Yeah. Very good, very good. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We'll put the links in the description box. Uh, absolutely stunning information. Uh, and I, I really encourage people to get your five books. And your when is the sixth one coming out? Uh, well, six and seven uh, had to be put on hold for the 45 points. And I'm going to get you some of that information so you can be enjoying that as a as a preliminary <laughs> before anybody else can see it. So um, we'll do an exclusive together, and I'll get you that information so we can give that to the people. That sounds great. I appreciate that. Yeah, lovely. All right. Well, thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in the future. Thanks a lot. Wonderful. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality.